Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, offering a broad range of cardiac and vascular treatments in our community. More information is available at upmc.com slash centralpaheart. Welcome to The Spark. I'm Scott Lamar. Pennsylvania has some of the weakest policies in the country when it comes to preventing and reducing tobacco use. That's according to the American Lung Association State of Tobacco Control Report released yesterday. Tobacco use is the leading cause of preventable death and disease in the U.S. It takes the lives of more than 22,000 Pennsylvanians a year, according to the Lung Association. The report provides grades in five areas, and Pennsylvania doesn't fare well in any of them. With us on The Spark today is Jennifer Folkenroth, National Senior Director, Tobacco Programs with the American Lung Association, and Dr. Jamie Garfield, American Lung Association National Spokesperson, Professor of Thoracic Medicine and Surgery at Temple Lung Center at Temple University Hospital. I want to welcome both of you to the program. Jennifer, let me start with you. What's the purpose of this report, and how is it to be used? So American Lung Association's State of Tobacco Control Report really looks to evaluate state and federal policies on actions that can be taken to eliminate tobacco use and also provides recommendations on those proven effective tobacco control laws and policies that could be implemented to further save lives. Mm -hmm. And this is the 21st annual, so from year to year you can compare. Uh, has Pennsylvania improved or maybe went backwards in any areas? We have improved just slightly here in Pennsylvania, going from an F in access to cessation services up to a D. Up to a D. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and that's mostly uh, due to the increase in coverage through Medicaid. So we did see a little bit of movement there and a little ad- additional access to cessation services for that population. But other than that, we haven't seen much movement here in the state. So what is the state being graded on? So there are are five different areas that the State of Tobacco Control Report really grades state policies on. The first is funding for state tobacco prevention programs. Now, this really are the programs out there to prevent kids in initiating tobacco use, providing programs to help individuals to quit that want to quit tobacco products for good. And unfortunately, Pennsylvania is grading in an F. We are failing in this slot. Um, The second is strengthening the clean indoor air law. So making sure that smoke-free laws are in place and are completely comprehensive to protect workers, all Pennsylvanians and residents across the state. Unfortunately, we received a D in this category due to all of the loopholes that continue to be in the Clean Indoor Air Act. The level of state tobacco taxes, we graded, again, a failing grade here. We have not revisited tobacco taxes here in Pennsylvania since 2016. And there's a lot more we could be doing in increasing that tax at least by $1 to really increase the number of individuals quitting. The fourth area is coverage and access to cessation services. This is really ensuring that our state employees have 
have access to all seven first-line medications, as well as all counseling options to really help them quit, as well as, of course, the health and wellness of all Pennsylvanians across the state. And our fifth area is ending the sale of all flavored tobacco products. Unfortunately, we don't have any laws or policies here uh, to remove those. So again, we received a failing grade here in Pennsylvania. Dr. Garfield, when you hear these grades, it's obvious that Pennsylvania is not grading out very well. Does that have a real-life impact? Are there more people getting sick because they use tobacco in Pennsylvania? Are there more Pennsylvanians dying because they use tobacco? Yes. I mean, the uh, the smoking rate, more adults in Pennsylvania smoke than the national average or use tobacco products. Many more um, high school kids in Pennsylvania use tobacco products than the national average. And we may, be, may take some time to see the effects of this, but the uh, anticipated effect is that there will be more people who die or who suffer with tobacco-related illness and death um, in Pennsylvania you know, than in the rest of the nation. And this is this is preventable disease. This is uh, this is about prioritizing uh, tobacco control. And there's really no reason we have some good examples of other states just around us, uh, Delaware, for example, that has really prioritized putting funding into tobacco control and Pennsylvania law- lawmakers really need to do the same. I want to talk about those other states and what they're doing well, what Pennsylvania's not doing. When you talk about t- tobacco-related illness and disease, a lot of people right away think of lung cancer or some of the other cancers. What are some of the illnesses and diseases that tobacco use has a great impact on? I mean, the the list is so long, Um, but really notably, we're talking about cardiovascular disease, which is one of the major causes of death and disease in the world. Um, So hypertension, uh, diabetes, um, cancer, as you said, I'm a pulmonologist, so every single lung disease um, has, uh, or many, many lung diseases have some impact um, and worsening from uh, tobacco use, uh, things like asthma, COPD, chronic bronchitis. And it's not just those who actually smoke themselves, but there is a secondhand smoke component. Um, And the Surgeon General has said that there is no safe exposure to tobacco smoke. So for kids who are living in the home of an adult smoker, they are at risk for having worsening asthma symptoms and eventually developing things like chronic obstructive lung disease. For people in the hospitality industry who are working at bars and in restaurants or in casinos um, where they're exposed to secondhand smoke and they have to go to work, that, that's an unfair situation that um, that we feel at the American Lung Association policymakers should really prioritize closing these loopholes and getting um, folks who are not active cigarette users away from secondhand exposure and making those who are currently cigarette um, or tobacco product users, giving them better access to t- tobacco cessation resources. Something you just said a second ago. Um, I noticed that in the last, and I don't know how long, but uh, I'm old enough to remember, that it used to be that we would say we would just talk about smoking and not tobacco use. Why has there been a change in that terminology? And obviously there's a a reason behind it. Oh, there's there's loads of tobacco products, and they're not safe. None of these products are safe. I mean, we have a lot of evidence of cancer risk and uh, chronic disease from combustible products, which we have probably the most information on. But there is non-combustible tobacco. um, There is a, you know, oral or um, 
um, and non-smokable tobacco. There is electronic cigarettes. And our younger generation are using these other products probably more commonly um, than combustible cigarettes. And the regulations in Pennsylvania do not include these products um, or they're not held to the same strict standards. For example, um, taxes. There are higher taxes on combustible cigarettes than there are on electronic cigarettes and smokeless tobacco products. And then that needs to be equitable. So we need to have higher taxes on all tobacco products so people are not encouraged to switch from one tobacco product to another tobacco product because it's a little bit less expensive. All tobacco products are injurious um, and all of them should be regulated. Um, and it is the, the obligation of our um, legislatures to, you know, our uh, legislature to, to help to make these products more difficult to get their hands on and more easy to quit. We're with the American Lung Association talking about their state of tobacco control report, which was released just yesterday. Jennifer Falkenroth is the National Senior Director of Tobacco Programs with the Lung Association. And Dr. Jamie Garfield is the American Lung Association National Spokesperson, Professor of Thoracic Medicine and Surgery at Temple Lung Center at Temple University Hospital in Philadelphia. Let's go through the five areas. Uh, Jennifer, you mention the grades. And for someone just tuning in, Pennsylvania got all D's and F's in, in the five areas. So the state is not doing well when it comes to these grades. Funding for state tobacco prevention programs graded out as an F. Now, what kind of tobacco prevention efforts are we talking about? We are specifically talking about tobacco prevention education for our youth, as well as uh, programs that can really help individuals to quit, both youth and adults. So proven effective cessation programming, plus medication, awareness, education, just really a further understanding of what programs are made available to support individuals and help promote quitting um, across the board. Dr. Garfield, what works? What gets people to stop? What gets people to not start in the first place? I mean, a really comprehensive approach is what works. So there are FDA-approved medications that are associated with increased likelihood of cessation. So namely, that is varenicline, um, as well as the nicotine replacement therapies. These are proven, uh, and bupropion is a, is a fourth one. Um, these are proven, they are safe, uh, they are well tolerated, uh, but they're hard to get. So when I have a patient in front of me who I know would benefit from, I may prescribe it and it will not be covered by a private insurance or it will, it will not be covered by a state employee health plan. And this is really limiting. So I know what is evidence-based and I know what works. Um, medications are one component. Uh, behavioral counseling is another important component. And without adequate funding, um, the state hotlines are underfunded and they are under um, staffed and they don't have enough people to take as many calls as they get. And this leaves patients, um, you know, in the lurch. They, they have the desire to quit. Um, many current smokers will say they want to quit, um, but very few of them actually succeed. And that's because they don't have these evidence-based proven resources available to them in Pennsylvania. Okay, so this is kind of a two-part question, but uh, in the long run, if fewer people smoked, wouldn't that mean that it would cost taxpayers less and cost insurance companies less, thus wondering why insurance companies wouldn't cover this? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a... You know, you pay more now and you, you pay some now and you get more, you know, back later. And that's a, a for 
a level of foresight that maybe is difficult. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not a policymaker, and I don't know the rationale be behind why. But you know, preventative strategies, things like lung cancer screening, mammograms, colonoscopy, all of these cost money. But the reason why we invest in these preventative strategies is because they save money, they save lives. Um, you know, in in the long run, and there's absolutely no difference here. That if we could get the best way to prevent lung cancer is to have less people smoke cigarettes. It's not things like, you know, showing up at your doctor's office or lung cancer screening. The very best way to pre prevent cardiovascular disease is not taking this medication or having a cardiac cath. It's not smoking. And so uh, smoking impacts all of these chronic diseases. And so there's a tremendous gain um, for uh, mm -hmm. helping more people quit smoking and preventing more young folks from picking up tobacco products to begin with. Jennifer, along those lines, I noticed that uh, one of the recommendations in this category was more attention on vaping. And this is where a lot of young people are getting their start. And, you know, when vaping e-cigarettes first came around, it was, oh, it's less addictive. There are, There's less nicotine than uh, in an actual cigarette. Well, the studies have shown that that's not necessarily the case. So when you say that more attention has to be paid to vaping, what do you mean? We know that over 26% of today's high school youth just here in Pennsylvania are using at least one tobacco product. And among those tobacco products, e-cigarettes and vaping devices are at the top. We absolutely recognize that it is no longer just a public health concern. This is an epidemic. This is something among our future generations that we need to address immediately before we lose them for good. In order to really address e-cigarettes, we need to make sure that they are included in our smoke-free laws and policies, not just combustible tobacco products, but also e-cigarettes. Because as we know, there is a direct lung health impact that occurs from the e-cigarette emissions and the aerosol coming off of these devices. In addition, we need to make sure that our tobacco prevention and cessation programming efforts really address e-cigarettes, educating youth on what the impact is of using these products, as well as supporting individuals who do use them in successfully breaking three, free through proven effective strategies. What about flavored? Um, go ahead. What they need to go. Flavor, <laughs> flavors need to go. We know that they are on the market to hook our youth and to increase initiation among the generations. We know that, in fact, menthol in particular makes it even harder for individuals to successfully break free and quit. We see a higher nicotine dependence among smokers that particularly use menthol. So it is imperative that we remove all flavors, including menthol, from the market. Market. Okay, so before we get on to the other areas, uh, Dr. Garfield uh, earlier uh, spoke about uh, smoke-free workplace laws and did a pretty, you know, outlined that pretty well as the reasons you're active, you're uh, talking about that. But I want to talk about funding because this isn't. Uh, let me take a step back. Whenever we're talking about funding, and we're talking about it on the state level, actually any government level, any government body today, you always are going to hear there's never enough money. Okay? That still may be the case, something that a legislator would say. But when it comes to tobacco usage, there is money coming in. Jennifer, what about that? 
Yes, Scott. So we here in Pennsylvania receive over $1.5 billion from the tobacco settlement payments. In addition Each to. Year. Um, yes, in, a, in addition to uh, the tobacco taxes. Mm-hmm. So the revenue is there, the dollars are there. It's just unfortunate that only 5% of those tobacco settlement dollars are in fact being invested into the tobacco prevention and cessation programs to prevent folks from you know, starting as well as support those that wanna quit. of all of that. Now, the entire point of the tobacco settlement was to right the wrong, right? So to provide the services needed to raise the awareness, to educate the public and help them to quit. So at less than, you know, 5% coming in, that is only 12.8% of the uh, recommended level for funding through the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So we are significantly lower in the investment. The dollars are there. They're not being invested where they should. Okay. But Dr. Garfield, just to be clear, that tobacco settlement money does go for all health care related causes. It's all, you know, it's not like it's part of the general budget where, uh, you know, the state police are getting money or legislatures getting money. I mean, so the legislature has to make decisions about uh, smoking cessations and prevention and other health and medical issues, right? Yeah. I mean, I think you can look to other states as examples of when you fund more, um, when you use more of your budget for tobacco control and policies, um, you know, is your constituency healthier? And I think the answer is yes. I think that there's, as Jennifer said, there's so much money coming in um, and not enough of it is being earmarked for um, tobacco cessation. And, you know, it would be nice if we could increase taxes to the point of them being prohibitive to to purchase and and make tobacco cessation, you know, um, medications, pharmacotherapy available at no cost to anyone. But 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 maybe we can take sort of smaller goals as as um as a positive. You know, we don't want the legislatures to to reduce the amount of uh money that they're earmarking for tobacco control. It would be nice if they increased it, but we're always at risk of losing some of the funding um, that, that has already been put put towards this cause um, in years prior. So we want to make sure that we're you know continuing to talk about it. I will just say one more thing about tobacco flavored products. It's not an equal opportunity problem. Um, menthol cigarettes, as Jennifer mentioned, um, are probably the, the most concerning flavoring that is added to to both um, combustible cigarettes and electronic cigarettes. And it is much more likely um, an African-American, the African-American population are at greatest risk of the impact of keeping these products on the shelves. Um, Almost 90% of African-Americans who use tobacco products use menthol um, flavorings. Um, And as Jennifer said, it's harder to quit these products. So making flavorings unavailable and really um, making that a priority to, you know, create a grade. um, Pennsylvania has a grade of an F for um, policies against flavored tobacco products. That doesn't affect everyone equally. Um, It affects some of these underrepresented communities more um, than others. and, And that's an important point. I'm not going to get to all the grades, but uh, you both have talked about raising taxes. Is that the recommendation as a way of, okay, first of all, let let me put it this way. Are you talking about just to generate more money or are you talking about ways to reduce tobacco use or both? 
It's twofold, absolutely. So we know that an increase in tobacco taxes would directly impact the number of individuals making a quit attempt. So we would be able to reduce smoking-related mortality and morbidity through those quit attempts, in addition to generating more revenue here in the state to then put back into those programs that are so very critical um, in supporting you know, individuals in creating a tobacco-free future. We have one minute left, mm-hmm. and I want to thank both of you for being with us today. Uh, Jennifer, the legislature, as I said, uh, this is 21 years now. They get this report. They hear, you know, what what Pennsylvania has or how Pennsylvania has been graded. How do they use it? What do you hear from them as to what they want to do? It all comes down to what takes priority. And this really is why we mobilize our advocates to to come into the Capitol and really work with legislators day in and day out to talk about the importance in closing the loopholes, funding these programs, and making tobacco a priority for our state. Do you happen to know, and I know this is probably an unfair question, but I'm just thinking out loud here, uh, what percentage of legislators smoke? That's an excellent question, and it's an unfortunate response. Um, we we are still seeing it um, taking place in the Capitol, even within the offices. So this is a serious problem. Um, that, oh, you could smoke in the Capitol? No, you may not. In the U.S. Capitol, we've seen it. Uh, but in, in Pennsylvania's Capitol, it still is happening behind closed doors, even though you are not allowed to do it. What happens? But again, we're ahead. talking about combustible cigarettes. Right. Correct. We're talking about tobacco products. There's no reason why someone can't use not smokeless tobacco products or electronic cigarettes. There's no regulations against using these products in many uh, public spaces. I wonder if there are spittoons in some of the legislators' offices. And uh, I hope not. But uh, I want to thank both of you for being with us today. Jennifer Folkenroth is National Senior Director of Tobacco Programs, American Lung Association. Dr. Jamie Garfield is an American Lung Association National Spokesperson, Professor of Thoracic Medicine and Surgery at Temple Lung Center, Temple University Hospital. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to The Spark on WITF, your home for NPR and discovering all things local. I'm Scott Lamar.